Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're looking today at Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, uh, thinking about uh, the end of Jonah's prayer and the resulting uh, command of the Lord that follows in, in verse 10. Again, we've already seen Jonah fleeing from the presence of the Lord, getting on a ship, going toward Tarshish. The Lord pursues him through the series of events that unfold. Jonah is uh, thrown into the Mediterranean Sea. The Lord does not allow him to uh, die, to drown, but sends a great fish to swallow him up. And here in chapter 2, we are benefiting from Jonah's prayer and seeing his thoughts as he is inside the belly of this giant animal. So reading Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 today. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay or repay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Last time we looked at verse 8 and talked about how Jonah is really setting up a contrast in verses 8 and 9 in poetic form. This is Hebrew parallelism here. Uh, the one statement in verse 8 talks about those who regard vain idols. We saw this as uh, the idolaters that were frequent in Jonah's time, people worshiping even within the northern kingdom of Israel, false gods, and giving their affections and their uh, emotions toward these false gods. But in verse 9, Jonah is contrasting those persons with his own commitment. And it seems as though uh, this is maybe a recommitment on the part of Jonah after his initial disobedience and shows us something of a change within the mentality of the prophet here. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay or repay. Salvation is from the Lord. Jonah begins this verse by saying, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. He follows the pattern of the Phoenician sailors at the end of chapter one who see God's power and his authority and they believe in him. The sailors in, in verse 16 feared the Lord greatly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord. They made vows to the Lord. Uh, two of those things are reiterated by Jonah here in verse 9, sacrifice and the making of vows to the Lord. And Jonah says, I'm going to sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Now consider again where Jonah is and his situation when he is talking about giving thanks. He is in the belly of a giant fish. I mean, if you, you can even imagine what that would be like, the smells and the feeling on your skin and uh, the things that you're hearing and experiencing while all of this is taking place. We, we really can't even adequately picture or imagine what this would, what this would be like. Uh, but Jonah here 
says that he will sacrifice to the Lord with the voice of thanksgiving. How can he speak about thanksgiving given the situation that he is in? Uh, this reminds me of the Apostle Paul's experience to, to some degree in the New Testament. In Philippians, uh, Paul, as he is writing Philippians, Philippians is one of the uh, so-called prison epistles, and most likely it's written during Paul's first Roman imprisonment. Uh, and in Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul can say, even in prison, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So for the believer in Christ, even in the midst of extremely difficult, horrendous situations, we have the ability to rejoice in the Lord, knowing his character, his kindness, and his goodness toward us. And I think that's reflected here in the life of Jonah. Jonah knows the character of the Lord to some degree, and he knows even in the midst of his situation that he can uh, give thanks to the Lord for what he has done. First of all, he hasn't allowed Jonah to drown. Now, he has used a pretty strange venue for Jonah's deliverance here, but Jonah is able to recognize that he, even in the belly of this giant fish, has a lot to be thankful for. I think it's difficult for us in our immediate life circumstances at times to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and think about the things that we really have to be thankful for. But in every situation, there is always something for which we can be thankful, even in the most difficult situations of life. Uh, there are still things that the Lord has done for us and continues to do for us. Uh, and so even in the midst of our sorrow and despair, it's good for us to recognize those things. Jonah talks about sacrificing to the Lord with the voice of thanksgiving. And then he says, that which I have vowed, I will repay. I think this is a reference to his commitment as a prophet. He will do what he has said he will do for the Lord. What he has promised to do, he's going to follow through with as far as fulfilling his prophetic office. The Lord has asked him to go to uh, Nineveh and preach out against it. And initially he said, no, I'm not going to do it. But here Jonah is saying, what I have vowed, I will repay. Now, there are others in the Old Testament who made vows, and this gives us an idea of, of what he's talking about here. Uh, if we go back to Genesis 28, for example, Jacob made a vow to the Lord that if he would be able to uh, go uh, and uh, to his family members and to uh, have success to avoid uh, being destroyed at the hand of his brother, that he would worship the Lord. And, and all of this took place at uh, the site of Bethel, the house of God. Hannah, in 1 Samuel 1, vows that if the Lord would give her a child, she will uh, then give the child or, or commit the child to the Lord for his lifetime. So we see other individuals making vows in the Old Testament. We even see in Jonah chapter 1, the Phoenician sailors, after they uh, see the events of the calming of the, the wind and the waves, 
sacrificing to the Lord and making vows to him uh, at that time. If we go to the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 23, there's a short series of verses that talk about the making of vows and their significance. And I think this is important for our discussion of Jonah 2.9. Deuteronomy 23 and verses 21 through 23. It says, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For it would be sin in you, and the Lord your God will surely require it of you. However, if you refrain from vowing, it would not be sin in you. You shall be careful to perform what goes out from your lips, just as you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised. So a vow was simply a promise that was made from a human being toward the Lord. I think if we put that in context here in Jonah 2.9, Jonah is saying, what I have promised to do, I will do. Now, we don't have the explicit promise given us in the book of Jonah. I don't think we should conclude that initially Jonah said, after the word of the Lord came to him to go to Nineveh, that he initially said, okay, I'm going to go, and then decided not to do it. The text doesn't present it that way. I think the better understanding is to see this vow as Jonah's commitment to uh, being a prophet of the Lord, being used by God to communicate his message to the people. God called him to do this, and even though in the scriptures we're not given the explicit call and the words that are used, we can understand that God would have uh, come to Jonah and told him that he was going to use him for this type of a ministry, and uh, Jonah would have uh, promised, whether verbally or within his mind, uh, to the Lord that he would fulfill this and do what the Lord had asked him to do. Typically, vows were made in conjunction with sacrifices throughout the Old Testament. When you made a vow or a promise to the Lord, you would offer up a sacrifice uh, as an atonement for sin at the time, but also probably to show the severity of the vow that you are uh, promising and, and what you're promising has weight behind it. Uh, and so these promises are made to the Lord. We see the connection between sacrifices and vows throughout the books of Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Also in Jonah chapter 1, the men, uh, after fearing the Lord greatly, offer sacrifices to the Lord and then make vows uh, to him as well. Uh, Jonah here says that he will sacrifice to the Lord with the voice of thanksgiving and that which he has vowed he will repay. So he's taking very seriously his promise. He's, maybe we could say, recommitting himself at this point uh, to what the Lord has called him to do. Uh, now, has there really been a change of heart? Uh, is there really any repentance that's going on here? Those are questions that I want to touch on uh, later on. So keep those in mind. He says at the end of verse 9, salvation is from the Lord. Really, this is probably better translated as salvation belongs to the Lord. This is a great affirmation on the part of Jonah. God has brought about salvation already to two different groups in this book. He's brought salvation 
to the sailors who see his power uh, in the storm and displayed in Jonah's experience, and they fear the Lord. Probably uh, the, the sign that they're making sacrifices to the Lord and they're making promises to the Lord or vows, this is probably a strong affirmation that these men actually put their trust in Yahweh as a result of this entire situation. So God has saved maybe some or all of these sailors uh, not only from physical destruction, but now probably spiritually as well as they've seen the one true God experienced him and now have put their faith in him as a result of all of this. God has also saved Jonah in delivering him from his own wrath and punishment that was deserved by preserving his life with this giant fish. But also, in, in, in addition to these two groups, we have uh, a foreshadowing of the salvation that will be brought to Nineveh. This may even be a hint again here that in Jonah's mind, Jonah is anticipating the repentance of the city of Nineveh beforehand. We're going to see more of this in the near future. Also, recall uh, the words of some of the Psalms that Jonah may have known that would have played into this. So Psalm chapter 3, verse 8 says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. So this is not a concept that Jonah is creating here. It's something he's drawing on from previous scriptures, maybe even as far back as the Red Sea narrative in Exodus 14 and 15, where the salvation of the Lord is on display powerfully. Moses says to the people, uh, just wait and watch and you will see the salvation of the Lord today as they're standing before the Red Sea with the uh, Egyptians closing in on them. So we have all of these allusions to uh, the salvation of the Lord uh, being played out here, Jonah says salvation belongs to the Lord. It is the Lord's prerogative to give salvation to whomever he will. He can give it to the sailors. He can give it to Jonah. He can give it to Nineveh. We'll see more of this in coming sessions. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partner.